Welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. This morning, I have the privilege of introducing our new series, Elephant in the Room. This is where we uh, speak about subjects that are a little bit taboo. You know, those, those things that we don't always like talking about. But this morning, I'm just going to introduce the concept of this series, and there's a hashtag with it called Wake Up. And so, I'm going to touch a little bit on culture. Um, I'm really going to be addressing this morning how we live a godly life in pretty much a godless society. And I've titled my message this morning, it's Find Your Rhythm with the Wrestle. And here we go. <laughs> Yeah, did you ever see growing up uh, that fish Christian symbol, you know, the one that sort of you can do in one line, and you'd see it in this picture where all the fishies are swimming this way, and then you've got this one funky dude just doing his, his thing this way, and it was a Christian fish, and it, it had the motto with it, go against the flow. Go against the flow. I, I liked that. I thought it was pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, I'm with that. But... Um, I think it captured something of truth. And when you're going against the flow and against the currents and against culture and against trends, there's a bit of resistance that happens. There's a little bit of a wrestle. You know, we've got a kayak um, in our family, a couple of kayaks, and we love to take them out on the water and the river. And I always know when I'm going with the current, because it's merrily, merrily, merrily I go. I'm singing away, and it's nice and easy, and easy strokes. And then you've got to turn this thing around, and then go upstream against the current. And then I stop singing, because it's more energy. <laughs> and I'll, um, I want a big bottle of water by the time that I get back to the shore, because it's a wrestle. When you are up against a current, up against a trend, up against culture, there's a little bit of a wrestle. It's okay. We just got to find our rhythm in the wrestle. I want to address cultural trends, and just to do that, I'm going to share with you a story. Fair warning, this is not a nice story. It's a historical account, so it actually happened in, you know, a portion in time in history. It is found in Herodotus, volume 1, page 199, And this is what it says, that there was a Babylonian custom that compelled every woman to go and sit in the temple of Aphrodite and go and have sexual intercourse with a complete stranger at least once in her life. It usually happened before she was married, so her first experience was being in line, being picked by some random stranger, throwing money in her lap, and they said that for a woman to refuse was grossly frowned upon because they considered it a sin, because culture said that it was such a sacred act that they would go and do this. So for a portion in history, a section in time, every sister, niece, daughter, mother, aunt, had to go and have this awful experience with a stranger, and it was deemed as holy. If we're going to pull anything from that, it's just because culture says that this is okay and it's the right thing to do doesn't necessarily make it right and it doesn't make it okay. And you might look at that story and go, well, 
That was just a barbaric time in history. True, you wouldn't be wrong. But I kind of got a feeling that some of our children and maybe grandchildren and children of our grandchildren are going to look back on this time and go, shake their heads, what were you guys thinking? We have to wake up and start looking around a little bit. Because today we are in an I feel culture. Aren't we? I feel dictates our truth. You hear it all of the time. Oh, well, this is my truth. And this is your truth. And that is their truth. It's here a truth, there a truth, everywhere a truth, truth. There's truth everywhere. All about how we feel. Yeah, in the process, we have exchanged actual truth for how we feel. Can I just say, just put it right out there, feelings are super lousy leaders. They are really lousy leaders. Sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down. And if they're leading the way, that's, that's a rocky journey. You know, everybody here... Everyone in the world has to wrestle out with their emotions and their feelings sometimes, but you just got to find your rhythm in the wrestle. You got to wrestle these things out and stop trading truth for how you feel. You know, great marriages, awesome marriages, do not stand the test of time by depending on how we feel about them at every time. You can start out in a marriage with white-hot, burning passion for one another. Add 10 years, 10 kilos, two kids, a pressing mortgage, and someone who decides to, you know, go and put muddy floor pints all over your freshly mopped floors, you might have a white-hot kind of different feeling towards your marriage in those moments. It's okay. You've got to wrestle these things out, not throw out something solid and something of truth and something of wholesome because all of a sudden you're feeling changed about it. We've got to learn to ride out these wrestles of our emotions and allow truth to lead our feelings, not our feelings to dictate our truth. In 1 Peter 5, 8 to 9, we don't have the screens, but if you've got Bibles, you can turn to this. This is the scriptures that we are going to be basing this entire preach around. It says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Or would you look at that? We're not a lonely little fish after all. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's going through it. So this entire preach this morning is going to be centred around this verse. And actually, it's centred around all of 1 Peter. Um, you know, John this morning said, you know, one of my favourite passages is... I rarely actually hear him saying, oh, this is one of my favourite scriptures. It's usually, this is one of my favourite passages or favourite chapters or favourite books because there you'll find great context. So I do encourage you, you know, if this message hits your heart, go home and read all of 1 Peter. It's fantastic advice for how to live a godly life in a godless culture. All right, so let's go back. I'm going to actually have a look at the last part of that verse first where it says, 
believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. What sufferings? I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't have suffering. I shouldn't have pain. And here, Peter just completely unpacks it for us. Another translation is, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren. So I'm going to have a look at this word, afflictions. It's the Greek word, pathema, which means hardship or pain, emotion or influence. So Peter is normalizing this for us. He's saying here, Christians, brethren, believers, it is perfectly normal to experience suffering, pain, and affliction. So this can be an external influence. Yes, sometimes it's external and pain is inflicted, but it's often internal, emotional, a wrestle. And he he doesn't just say here that it's normal. He then goes on to explain, actually, it helps to perfect you. Look at this word here, accomplished, epitiz, no, I didn't practice that one enough. It it means to execute, undergo, accomplish, do, perform, or finish, or to make perfect. So, it is perfectly normal for us to experience afflictions, external or internal, and they actually help to accomplish us on our Christian journey to make perfect. Wonderful. So pain's a part of our journey. Who here is feeling immensely encouraged this morning? So glad you came, right? (laughs) But think it through. If I got any men here or women who are army or ex-army? No? Yes, we do? Okay, I'm going to have a question for you in a minute. So just imagine this. You've got, you know, the army, they're being trained, and then the commanding officer comes in in the morning and goes, guys... It's all right. Oh, no, just that I know the alarm's gone off and it's time to get up, but just let them sleep in this morning. Oh, they had a hard day of it yesterday. Actually, I'm going to go and make you breakfast. Would you like milk and sugar with your coffee? Here, I'm going to go and get your slippers so that those precious feet of yours don't have to get on that dark floor. Oh, look, it's raining outside. Oh, no, you don't have to go and work out in that. No, no, it might be a bit cold and you get wet. You could potentially catch a chill. Can I ask you, my friend, has that ever happened in the history of time? I'm getting a very big no. (laughs) Of course that hasn't happened because we need you guys to be strong. And so it doesn't remove any kind of hardship or pain or perseverance. Sometimes we've got to endure these things. You've just got to endure the wrestle. You've just got to find your rhythm in the wrestles and just find your beat. And God's okay. It's okay. It's all right. When pain comes our way, when these things come against us, you've just got to find your rhythm in the wrestle. I want to come back and have a look. I'm just going to read this scripture out again so it's in our minds. 1 Peter 5, 8 to 9, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. There's four things I'm going to pull from this scripture this morning really quickly. Number one, be alert and of sober mind. It's a very, very nice way of saying, wakey, wakey, guys. 
wakey, wakey. We have to start paying attention. Wake up to the agendas that are being pushed in culture. They are everywhere. They are being shoved down our children's throats. They are in our playgrounds. They are in our school, the schoolyards. They are in our workplaces. They are all over the media. They are all over Netflix. You know, if you, you turn on Netflix in our home, and you'll see this huge long list of series and movies that says, continue watching for mummy. I wish I could go back and change that title to say, shows that mummy stopped watching. <laughs> it says to be alert, not alarmed. Be alert, be mindful, be awake, not alarmed. <gasps> oh my goodness, I can't believe that's going on. Oh, Pastor Graham, did you see the news? I saw what that was. Oh no, I can't believe this terrible sin that has come upon us. <gasps> what do I do? I need to go and start storing food. <laughs> be alert, be mindful, but not alarmed. You know, Proverbs 31 actually says she laughs for fear of her future. Actually, when it says to be alert and of sober mind, that word sober, it's not just talking about a non-drunken state. It is, don't get drunk, but it also means to be calm and collected in spirit, to be temperate, dispassionate, circumspect, basically Mr. Cool. No. Mr. Cool. While all of these godless influences are coming at us, we can just experience God's peace, understanding who we are. Be alert, not alarmed. It's being watchful, aware, looking around, but calm, collected in spirit and temperate, not a crazy person. Just nudge the person next to you and say, I don't think she's talking about you. <laughs> yeah. Number two, resist him. That's the devil and his agendas. This word resist, it's a verb. It is an intentional withstanding. So if you think about, you know, that little Christian fish and he's, he's swimming up the current there, it's difficult. It's actually a bit of a wrestle. And you can resist someone's lifestyle choices and their sin without resisting the person. I'm going to be honest, the world around us isn't actually very good at that. So we, the church, we need to lead in this. Center yourself in God's love. Oh, center yourself in his love. When you read 1 Peter, it's just walk in love. Oh, please just walk in love. Just center yourself in love. If you really know our Father and you want to get close to him, he's a God who loves you so much. Unconditionally, center yourself in love as you do this. But you can resist the sin, but love the person. See, Culture says that if we do not accept someone for everything that they are and everything that they believe, that we don't truly love them. But true love, true love 
actually says that we can love unconditionally whether we agree or not. It's how he loves us. The sun rises on the good and on the evil. And why we were sinners, Christ died for us. You know? Resist the sin. Love, love, love the person. I'll be honest with you. Even if that's done really well, it's still going to cause some tension in some relationships that you have with people. I'm actually going to say that's okay. A little bit of a wrestle, a little bit of a tension. Not all tensions are bad, if you pull anything from this message. The world is desperate for acceptance and approval of their lifestyle choices, no matter how godly they are. And then when we resist that sin, but love the person, they hate it. They hate it. It causes a tension within them and within the relationship. And it almost leaves a question mark over their choices that says, well, why isn't that okay? And they hate it. So there is often a tension that's left there. But I'm just here to say this morning it's okay. Just find your rhythm in that wrestle. Find your rhythm in how to love them. Find your rhythm in in what else you can do for them. I don't necessarily agree with that, but man, I love you. Can I cook you dinner tonight? We're having this big, big get-together. I'd so love to have you here. No, I don't agree with this particular choice, but I have got my arm open to you all of the time. I'm not going to banish you out of my life. I'm not going to ban you on Facebook. I'm not going to expel you from the family or my friend group. As an open hand, you can resist the sin and love the person that tension might be the very thing that actually brings them back into relationship with God. It's okay that it's there. You don't have to fight people. We don't have to fight people and try and beat them like God's word is some competition to be won. We don't have to fight people. God's word does not need defending. This doesn't need defending. People have been trying to, for years, discredit it, tell everyone it's not important, maybe say that they believe it, but then, you know, they don't even know what it says. For centuries, they've been trying to discredit it. They never will. This is unchanging. It's not progressive. This is truth. It's actually his way, and no one's going to come to the Father except through Jesus. Here's our truth. Number three, stand firm in faith. Stand firm in faith. Oh, the power of a stand. The power of a stand. This is actually understanding who you are in Christ. It is to be steadfast, strong, sure. And when you know how to simply stand, the whole world pays attention. Do you remember the story, Daniel in the lion's den? Remember hearing that maybe from your parents or in Sunday school? Well, this guy, he did not have an army. He was not a warrior. He didn't go out and fight people. You know what he did? What actually erupted all of Babylon? He stood. Babylon decided and went, okay, we're going to put out a new degree that everyone is going to bow down to this God. And Daniel just simply went, oh, no, thanks. No, thank you. I'm good. All of Babylon erupted over that. 
I'm not going to go to the end of the story. You'll have to read it up for yourselves, but it's a pretty cool ending if you want to go there. <laughs> August Landmesser is famous throughout history as the man who simply stood in the middle of a Nazi gathering. Everyone around him, every single person, arms up, Heil Hitler. And this guy, no thanks, I'm good. Arms folded. As a photograph of him, you can look up his name. He's famous throughout the ages now as the man who simply stood. Standing is about building your life around the truth of what God says about you, not around cultural influences. So stand on his word. We have to constantly filter our ideas, our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions through what God says about us. Find purpose in his word. And your ability to stand will depend on how firm your faith is. Which leads me to my fourth point. Stand firm in faith. We have to grow our faith. You've got to develop our faith. Read this thing. I know, I know, it makes a great, you know, doorstopper, dust collector. It looks fantastic on your bookshelf. Just take it down, <laughs> blow off the dust, <laughs> open it, start reading this thing. There's life in here. There's life in here. There's purpose in here. You'll find out just how God feels about you, and I promise you won't be disappointed. But read this book. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. In Hebrews 5.13, it says, Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Can I just say this morning, and I'm speaking to everyone here, not just people who have been, you know, a Christian for a long time, but there are deeper levels of intimacy, there are deeper levels of strength, and there are deeper levels of understanding that Jesus is calling you into. But just maybe like that little toddler, if you've got toddlers here, you know what I'm talking about. You know, when they're coming off solid milk and you start to introduce them to new foods and you put it in front of you, you're not always going to like what you taste. But I promise you, if you just learn to wrestle these things out and just try it, whatever the Holy Spirit dishes up to you, just take a mouthful. It will be health to your body and strength to your bones. Might be, oh, I want you to forgive this person. Oh, I don't like that taste. But you just do these things that he brings before you. He might be asking some of you here to fast. Some of you may have not done it in a very long time. Whatever that thing is that he brings in front of you, just partake of it. And I promise you, I promise you, it'll be health to your bones, it'll be strength to your body. And in, you know, when life's cultures and all of its trends are pushing us this way and throwing this at us, you're going to have the strength to stand. Jesus doesn't always remove the wrestle, but he will give you strength in the midst of it. There is more in God. There is more of his presence. There is more of his understanding. There is more of his strength. And there is more of his peace. Far more than you could even begin to imagine or understand. Develop your faith. Experience God. What is it to experience God? Mirzos, can I invite you up, please? I remember when I was a little girl in grade three and I was in Sunday school and my teacher 
just put out this crazy idea. I thought it was crazy, but I was brave enough to try it. She read from the Bible and said, if you ask for anything in my name, I will do it for you. I'm like 10 years old. I went, ask for anything, hey? Okay. So I'm in class, and I've got my little table there. It's got its little shelf underneath it where you put all your books. You know the ones I'm talking about? And I had this big, bold prayer all of 10 years old, and I went, all right, God, I'm hungry. So when I close my eyes and I pray and I put my hands underneath here in this shelf, I want there to be a donut or a cupcake right in the corner up there. And so I closed my eyes and I prayed and I went, all right, now. Do you know there was no cupcake or donut there? I couldn't believe it. And so me, being 10 years old, decided to take on the God of the universe and I went, you said that if I ask for anything in your name, I'm pretty sure I used your name, that it will be done for me. No sooner had I done that did a girl walk through the door with a plate of cupcakes. She handed one to my teacher and my teacher declared, the person with the neatest handwriting will get the cupcake and guess who that was? (laughs) Yours truly. (laughs) Yeah, I remember... Sorry, Musos, can you come up, please? I remember being uh, dating John, and we were at a traffic light situation in the car, and John's always been a good driver, and the lights went green, and then the car completely conked out for seemingly no reason. A couple of seconds later, a car flew past, ran a red light, and he was going so fast I'm pretty sure that it would have taken us on, head out and wiped us out, killed us both instantly. I remember when Brody was a baby, newborn, and I brought him down and I had him on the lounge room floor. I was just cooing all over him, super cute. And then I picked him up and I walked into his room with him. And I remember I got to the room and I remember the thoughts going through my head what am I even doing in here? I have no purpose to be in that room. While I was thinking that, I heard this huge crash because the mirror that was nearly the size of our wall got loose and fell down and smashed exactly where he was laying. I remember being in a desperate financial situation. I was pregnant with Jamin and We were in a unit that John's parents owned um, and we needed to build in the third room. Anyway, they, they came up a season. It was a little bit like what we do for Faith, Love, Hope. And we wanted to give and we were in such a bad financial position. We went... Oh, well, we're sort of up a creek without a paddle anyway. (laughs) We're in loads of trouble. And we had access to this money. We went, oh, let's just give it. And so we gave it and just wanted to see what God would do. This is what happened within two weeks. So previously, John's work had uh, given him shares in the company. They basically signed them over, I guess, to produce productivity within the company. So the company got sold and they wanted to buy back our shares for seven and a half thousand dollars. Back then, that was a lot of money. And I kind of looked at him and I went, oh, it would have been so good if we could have used that money to, you know, take some money off debt and get some traction in our world, but we need to use it to, you know, to build this room out. Then we get a phone call from John's mum 
who says, oh, I've just been speaking to these people and apparently, you know, because it was to do with superannuation, she was allowed to take money to do up her investment property. She said, so here's $7,000, you go and do what you need to do. $14,500 literally fell out of the sky. Do you experience God in your world? Psalms 143.4 says, Remember, remember what God has done for you. Let his grace and his mercy comfort you and remind you of his unfailing love. One of the most powerful things that you can do to stand firm in faith is simply to go back and document, remember all of those times and those moments that God, where you know that you know that you know that he intervened. I have this bank of experiences that I've had with God where I know he's intervened. I know he's answered prayer. I know he's brought about comfort. I know that he's provided for. I know that he's saved me from. And when the world tries to tell me that God's not real, I combine it with his truth, what he says, and I go to my bank of experience with God. I'm like, you can't tell me that God's not real. I know. I know he's real. I've experienced him. I've experienced his power. I've experienced his presence. Have you experienced God's presence in this place? I remember these things, I actually know he's real. When the storms of life come, and they come, with all of their bad experience and circumstances and the world tries to tell me, you don't serve a loving God. I'm like, excuse me? I know that situations might not be looking great right now, but I get to know and understand that his ways are higher than my ways. And though I might not understand in the minute, I've got his word and I've got this bank of experience. You can't tell me I don't serve a loving God. I know I serve a loving God. And when you develop these experiences in this life combined with his word, you are immovable, unshakable. What does your bank of experience look like with God? Maybe you stopped it when it got a bit hard. It's okay. It's all right. It really is. There's no condemnation here in Christ, but oh, I wish you'd just get back on that journey. You just move through the wrestle. Find your rhythm in those wrestles. Move past it. I promise you there are mountaintops to soar with him.